0: Many of us are longing for a way to really reclaim our humanity, and one way that we can do that is through spiritual community and spiritual practice.
1: What can we do to intentionally, with Kavana, um, really invest in a community that does serve us? that does nourish us, that does elevate us, you know, instead of just being, you know, hey, I'm a Jew, but saying, hey, I have this thing called community and it does X and Y for me. It helps me be better, not me by myself, but I'm part of something larger than me. And that's one of it. Judaism's biggest assets. Welcome to Purple Honey. A gathering of female
2: voices where we explore how Jewish wisdom and feminine spirituality can bring sweetness to our everyday lives. I am your host, Jody Bayless. We are just coming off the heels of Shavuot time, marking the moment where the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai and experienced the receiving of the Torah and thereby marking a beginning of what it means to live in community. In the weeks leading up to Shavuot, I imagined this large group moving together towards something, all of the feet that were walking. I imagined this group as a primordial community and wondered what it did it feel like to be together through this murky formative time. And I wondered what forms a community? I explore this topic today in conversation with two women who are actively forming communities. First, I'm talking with Ariela Morkowitz, creator of Saviva. Saviva is a collective that nourishes women's lives, making Jewish communities stronger. Ariela has dedicated herself to the pursuit of fulfilling female Jewish spiritual and communal experiences. And through Saviva, creating more spaces for women in Judaism. Ariella collects inspirational teachers, healers, counselors, and guides devoted to improving the lives of women, and then shares them with the audience of Jewish women that have been waiting for them. Ariella has a dynamic background, bringing together her experience as a mikvah guide, pioneering efforts to modernize mikvah, nonprofit Jewish experience, and experience working as a Yeshivat Maharat certified premarital teacher. All these energies come together, in forming the women's collective, Ziviva. One thing I um, love about Jewish practice is that there's a lot of um, reenacting, yeah, to connect. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like what you're doing is there. It's a there's a reenactment of bringing women together and exploring, uh, and having those hearthfire conversations. And as you spoke to, um, you know this. A woman's space and creating a woman's space that's enriching. Um, I'm just curious in your own life, were were there moments, um, were there women and moments in your own life that sort where you sort of
1: had that sense. Um... Okay, so full disclosure of the Ariella story, I grew up in a modern Orthodox household where segregation by gender was something that happened, not always, the modern part of modern Orthodox. Um, so my entire Jewish upbringing was co-ed, my educational experience was co-ed, but at the same time, very familiar with different treatment by gender. I also have only sisters, so I didn't have like a brother who was doing something that I wasn't supposed to do. We were all doing the same thing kind of thing in our house, so there wasn't anything really strong that way. Um, But I had many women in my life who exemplified, I think, in my mind, the the richest parts of what community could be. I mean, I've got a lot of great role models, but um, I grew up in a community where the Rebbitzen, the rabbi's wife, was a force of nature, where she was the maternal figure to all. Um, And her idea of being a community leader was that she was responsible for the well-being of her flock, And that was my model of what community leadership was. It was like somebody's down on their luck. It's my responsibility to help figure out how to put that person back up on their feet because that's what community is for. Um, Their house, (laughs) their door was never locked. Their front door was never locked so that anybody who needed anything could walk in. And they did. Um, and I don't know how she was in 700 different places at once, but, um, she was the ultimate caretaker. Um, and that for me was definitely one of my first memorable models of female communal leadership. Um, I also, I learned a lot from my mom, who did not grow up in an Orthodox house herself and came to Jewish community later in life and tried to find her place. And so I think watching her figure out what she viewed as her strengths um, and what she could contribute to a community where she didn't always feel the most, you know, knowledgeable or have the strongest background per se, but she found the ways that she could contribute um, that watching her live that journey and understand that every person who's part of a community has, has both what to add and whatever they do have to add is of value to the community, that there's not one way to live in and contribute to community and to give people the freedom and permission to kind of say, I can show up this way. This is what I'm good at. And to figure out where to put them in that community because there's so many different ways to nourish and feed community and community needs so much. Um, That was something that was really... Truly, um, formative. I think for me, mm-hmm. the community sets its up, sets itself up in a way where there you can see the value in every member of said community. You can n- pull out, yes, and let them out. develop the ways in which they can contribute, rather than feeling like they can't. I think that the it's incumbent upon the community leaders and shapers but also the community itself to like set that rule from the start saying we value everyone here everyone has something of value to add it's just a matter of figuring out what that is and and encouraging them to go on that journey and figure it out how how do I want to contribute what is it that I can do what is it that I want to do you know I can't get up necessarily and be like a services leader, or I'm not going to be the biggest philanthropist, but you know what? I can, I, I can drive your mom to the doctor on Mondays. Yeah. I, I can do that. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is to find what feeds someone to make them feel a value and that they do belong and that they're an important part yeah. of the community and that the community wouldn't function as well if they didn't show up. Yes. The idea of convening as a community, I think women psychologically neurologically sociologically need to connect meaningfully and deeply with others Um, and we have this amazing thing called the Jewish community which should be able to meet that human need for us as women Mm. Um, so how can we maximize Mm. this thing called Jewish community Mm -hmm. so that it's serving that purpose because otherwise what I don't know about you, but I'm crazy busy with, I don't know what really, but it seems to be Mm -hmm. tiring. (laughs) And the idea of finding extra time (laughs) is rare. Um, So how can I make my time spent with my Jewish community also nourish me and satisfy that human need for community that I have? The idea that I would participate in Jewish community And have it not serve that purpose that that, then I would have to be like, wait a minute, I got to also find time to like get together with my girlfriends or, you know, my PACE group or my, you know, Overeaters Anonymous or whatever. Like the other, my PTA, whatever, Mm -hmm. like the idea that I don't have enough time (laughs) to fit all those different pieces of community together. So I think for me, it's like we have this wonderful thing called Jewish community. Let's make sure that it let's, let's just pay attention to whether or not it's actually serving that purpose of fulfilling that need for deep connection and making us feel like we belong and making us feel like we're contributing to something larger than ourselves and making us feel like it's um, Mm -hmm. affirming our values and in a space to explore our values, because if it's not, then we should kind of work on that a little bit. Doing my interactions with lots of women, I love the conversations when it's like, well, why is there no blessing that I should say when my kid finally falls asleep in my arms? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a moment of mm. bliss mm. and gratitude. Or mm. I find myself feel- feeling filled with Kavana. When I'm on my morning hike and I see the sun dappling through the trees, why can't I pray there Mm -hmm. and have that validated by my community as just as much of value as whether or not I showed up for services that Mm -hmm. weekend? Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, there's also this other Mm. beautiful concept of Kehila and Sibur, which is the idea of being a collective and functioning as a group and that the idea that When we come together, we are stronger more powerful or on a higher plane um, You know Judaism is not an ascetic kind of experience it's meant to be in lived community and so how can you both, for me, they are two separate adventures and journeys where, one, I want to be able to explore the things that I can find Kavanaugh for, the things that mm-hmm. um, really inspire me. I would love to find someone else that gets that and understands, like, oh, yeah, of course, that's something beautiful. And I'm also moved and spiritually moved by that. Um, so for me it's like two separate adventures where I want to find a community of people who, who get me and validate me and I also want the freedom to um, explore and find what's meaningful in the wide variety of um, mm. expressions of faith that exist and I think um, mm. I don't know I think we feel, you know, again, I grew up in a modern Orthodox background, so your structure is your structure, and we don't necessarily deviate that much. Um, but the idea of v- being able to create a pocket where women can explore what's meaningful and resonant to them, where our life moments can be, spiritually contextualized where we can um Mm -hmm. unpack our lived experience and show gratitude confusion whatever and engage with the divine in our lived experience that there's not that many forums in which to do that um but i think it's a mistake if we don't so sviva i mean this
2: what you were saying about it's just so beautiful of just of like taking our everyday movements and having those acknowledged communally and with ourselves as in a spiritual context and was this were these some of the seeds for you that led you to establish the women's collective that you created? Siva? So,
1: when I first moved to DC, I was asked to volunteer at one of the local mikvahs, the ritual baths, um, as an attendant. Women were so gracious and shared the common thread that ran through um, being part of this experience for so many different women. You know, later on, this was a mikvah that was open to the entirety of the community, and so seeing that women were coming and looking for a space to spiritually validate what they were going through. Mm. Um, either celebratory or not, or, you know, stuff that makes you angry, stuff that makes you um, joyful, stuff that makes you prayerful, um, hard stuff, ugly stuff, wonderful stuff. Um, They were looking for spiritual validation in that moment. And by including me or whoever they brought they also wanted to make it a communal experience. They took this like very individualized lived moment and we're saying, I I need to make this a spiritual thing and I want my community to be a part of it in some way, even if it's by having one person there, that it's not just me by myself. Um, and for me, that was this aha moment of, wow, we live these rich, complex lives that we perceive as unique most of the time are not. There's somewhere out there who's also either walked it or is in it or whatever um, with you. You might feel alone in it, um, but the odds are that it's not. And we're actually craving an insertion of spirituality in that moment and community in some way. Mm -hmm. Sviva comes from that where we can take this beautiful hodgepodge of Jewish womanhood that we are and connect us to each other um, so that we can feel that we're not alone with where we stand or where we walk good mundane, horrible whatever it is, it's not just us living this life Um, and that we can feel that deep sense of connection and validation connecting us better with The amazing resources, providers, clergy, the support system that exists doing a better job of like making sure that pipeline is working the way it should. Like we have this amazing community um, that we live in and there's tools to help us live stronger, better lives and making sure that that pipeline works really well. So Mm -hmm. connecting that. And then connecting us as women to conversations that should be happening as a collective. Mm -hmm. So instead of these, you know, more private, organic conversations that happen over coffee or, you know, I'm really mad about something or I'm passionate about X or I'm confused about Y, to really convene us as a community to see, use it as an opportunity to learn, to flesh out how we're thinking or feeling and to if it is called for propel us to act on that the things that move us um Mm -hmm. or the things that we want to learn more about i think that there's just not necessarily a a a space always um as a community to have some really critical conversations about who we are as women who we want to be mm-hmm. as women, mm-hmm. how we want to raise the next generation of women, um, opportunities to really embrace this concept of misora, of tradition, handing down lived experience from mm-hmm. one to the next. Like, you know, there's some amazing ladies who've lived a lot of life. And how how is she going to teach me? Mm-hmm. How am I going to learn from her? Where? Like, where is that forum for her to share the life that she lived so that I'm not reinventing the wheel? (laughs) You know, we're all looking for that microwave button, that shortcut. Somebody else has done this before me. There's lessons to learn. My daughter, I love her. We have a great relationship, but the truth is she'll probably listen to someone else's mom faster than she'll listen to me. How do we, how do we, where do we convene those conversations? Mm-hmm. What are some of the
2: types of events that you've held, and what are just some um, maybe bright stories that have come from those?
1: We had a conversation geared towards um, loss in a mm-hmm. very, very broad sense, and how you handle yourself um, in a moment of loss. And it could be from, you know, losing a parent to moving out of your first apartment. Um, but the idea of how to most. Mm-hmm come out of that experience strongest most healthy Um, and what was beautiful about that experience was that um, the topic was self-selecting for who would come into the room and the idea of creating a structure where this wasn't a a room for chit-chat this was a we're coming into this room with intention to connect with one another over a topic that's resonant for each one of us because we chose to show up here on a tuesday night um and we're gonna come together for 90 minutes we're gonna make sure that you can connect deeply with the woman sitting next to you or whoever and really feel like you worked through whatever it was for a little bit what you were holding when you walked into the room and then you can go home and you know make lunches for tomorrow or pick out your clothes for your business meeting or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, but to really make sure that the idea of gathering together was purposeful and intentional and you connected about what was important to you with someone else for whom that was also important um that was amazing
2: so you come to this conversation you're all in yeah and um are there um, pieces of, um, is it a mixture of like life wisdom, stories, Jewish wisdom that are all kind of woven
1: together? So we brought it, in, we were so thankful um, and lucky to have Devorah Enton who's the, a fantastic um, therapist who from Philadelphia who came and joined us. And the idea of putting an expert up as our facilitator and guide of conversation, that was again maximizing what community's purpose is. So much of what we brought to the room was our lived Jewish experience. That it wasn't like, you know, we're going to apply Jewish wisdom to this. It was, we live our lives. Somebody's talking about, you know, I just got up from Shiva for my dad. And someone else is talking about the miscarriage that they had. And uh, yet another person is saying, I lost my job. And everyone wanted to talk about what they brought into the room. And the idea, again, is how do we maximize what community is doing for us? not necessarily that it's moving us spiritually, but that this idea of a kehila, that it's elevating us to be able to do more than we could alone. I'm better off for having, you know, come to that room on a Tuesday night to have processed XYZ in the company of others with an expert at the front of the room, guiding that conversation. That, that is why we live in community and that's what community is supposed to do. So that, you know, I'm not sitting on, so that hopefully it propels my growth, right? Um, But then on the other side, there's also the opportunity where we bring in clergy from different denominations to offer whatever wisdom they want. We had Rabbi Sarah Tasman, who I know you know, um, come and share with us her views on Hanukkah and with a diverse room of women and everybody could enjoy and connect with what she was teaching and that's fantastic. And then on the flip side, we have um, Elisa Sperling leading uh, her Torah series, which is the idea of again, creating a space for women's voices and women's lived experience to be the lens through which we look at our foundational texts and um Mm. there's this concept that there's um 70 faces to the torah that you can interpret it 70 different ways and one of them should be ours right like let's create a woman a, a room for women where we look at and interpret and discuss and digest our texts through our lens and and just you know, tomorrow you can go and look at that same text in a different room with different people and it's just as valuable. But there is value to this. There is value to mm-hmm. um, coming together as women and bringing our stories mm-hmm. and and our gleaned life wisdom to look at these foundational texts with others. Aliza is amazing as an educator and her, her educational view is that this idea of chavruta, the idea of coming together with a learning partner. um, It's, it's so amazing. You have this shared text or topic or what have you, two different people who agree to sit down, you know, it's amicable from the start. It comes from the word chaver, friend. Um, You agree to sit down, but you come from different perspectives. And the idea is not necessarily to convince one side or the other that you're right but that the practice of digesting it together elevates your outcome that i don't have to come Mm -hmm. away from the table thinking that you know i'm wrong you're right or vice versa that i've convinced you but that experience of you know grappling with it together and discussing it together will help Mm -hmm. me fine-tune my thinking and that in the end the 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 concept of the text for both of us will have been elevated for having come to sat, sit down at the table together. What does sviva mean? So, sviva comes from the word sivuv, like um, it's great for Hanukkah, like a sivivon that goes around, like a dreidel. Um, it means literally to surround her. Um, it's also the Hebrew word, it means entourage. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> it, it's, it's your girl I'm squad. <laughs> um,
2: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what is, what is your hope? for the future of Sviva. It's newly formed, just this wind past winter, right?
1: Yes, so very newly formed. I think um, we could go in two directions. One, we could be obsolete in a couple years' time, and I will be the happiest person on earth because it means that the rest of the Jewish community woke up and said, oh, we should pay attention to the woman's experience of our communal faith, um, and make sure that we're tending to it and nourishing it. And great. I got no job to do. Fantastic. Um, the other trajectory is that we've created a space in the Jewish communal landscape that is just dedicated to what women need as humans to feel nourished and satisfied, um, spiritually and otherwise, I think, um, you know, it would be beautiful to have, you can imagine like the, the JCC for women or whatever, um, mm. where you can have, a, a yoga class led by someone who's, celebrating one of the prayers for our bodies or we can have a class dedicated there's another class going on dedicated to um, premarital counseling and there's Mm. um, maybe there's a sanctuary space and you know there's a, a, a your your neighbor comes and she's meeting her her learning buddy and that's where they come to kind of grapple with something new and she that's where she shows up on Wednesdays and maybe um there's a posse of bubbies in the back who are working <laughs> with their third grade sous chefs to make like <laughs> the meals for new moms or um we have I don't know what an awesome vision to have this space we look, but everything. It's like, what do we need to make women feel powerful and strong? because that's what community is supposed to do? how do we how do we take a space that invests in women in their growth? How can we use, you know, like, do we hire a bunch of young women and have them run the space so that they learn how to advance professionally? Or is there a preteen sisterhood that's like learning how to raise money? yeah for a kickboxing class or something is there a you know public speaking course that you can take where are the ways that we can insert ourselves so that you know also again going back to my beginnings as a mikvah attendant um, validating our lives you know how do we create an opportunity for you to Come and plant a tree for the miscarriage that you had and have everybody recognize and honor that in a public way? How do we talk about, you know, marital difficulty and struggle in a way that's really real and understand that navigating this community as a single person could be a challenge? And how do we support each other through that? How do we create a space where? your identity as a woman is the sole focus of what we're doing rather than you know many of the ways that the jewish community engages with its women is is who we are in relation to others you know you know are you single and looking to be partnered are you a new mom are you getting married and you're the future of judaism so we better get our mm-hmm. talents into you quick or Um, Are you the volunteer that we're dependent on to do everything or are you a potential philanthropist or are you a crisis case? It's how can we create a space that looks at what we need as women, regardless of who we are in relation to anyone else. I'm truly fascinated by what it means to live in community, especially in a day and age when we're doing so less and less. When we're, you know, becoming more like this is the loneliest generation, and people are not coming together and joining and feeling more and more isolated, and so I I love this gift that we have that is the Jewish community, and so I think you know speaking to perhaps um, that differentiation of you know we left Egypt as a people, right? You know, we were identified as those Jewish slaves who upped and left versus that moment of codification when we became a nation and a community where we had rules and values that we embraced um, that then governed how we exist with each other in community, right? Um, Those are all the interpersonal structure to how to relate to others, how we how we interact with one another. Um, and in infusion of the spiritual and how we relate to some higher hand in life. Um, I want to, with Sviva, see what happens if we insert that Kavana into community, and we put in that intention and intentionality and say it's supposed to be doing something for us it's supposed to be a uh, dosha, a holy collective it's supposed to elevate us so let's figure out what structures what rules like where how can we create a, a room that is respectful of everybody's um godliness you know how can we create a space that is safe and lets us be who we are unapologetically and feeling um embraced and unthreatened um how do we how do we value embrace that value and and understand that being part of a collective is actually better than being an individual and fight for the collective and to you know come to the table fully to be prepared to um give and take to be able to kind of pull yourself back when needed for the sake of someone else who needs that space and so that in return you'll be welcomed and embrace that vulnerability so that we can hang on to this concept of community next
2: i am talking with lauren spokane from the new synagogue project lauren spokane is the lead instigator and board chair of the new synagogue project the new synagogue project is a new Jewish community in Washington, DC, that is spiritually vibrant, radically inclusive, and committed to social justice. When Lauren is not synagogue building, she works as the director of development for a multiracial, multi-faith community organizing network called Faith in Action. Through her work to build the new synagogue project, Lauren channels her skills and passion for fundraising, community organizing, organizational development, justice, singing, creativity, and building a sense of community and home. A D.C. resident, she also serves on the board of Jews United for Justice. I'm curious what brought you to um, New Synagogue Project. What has been your role?
0: Well, um, I've been involved uh, pretty much from the beginning. Uh, Rabbi Joseph Berman, first started talking to folks about his idea to build a spiritually vibrant, liberation-focused Jewish community a few years back, and um, it was something that I really wanted and really envisioned for my life here in D.C. Uh, we, My husband and I moved here about four years ago and you know bought a home and envisioned building a, a family here, and I had been a part of some really incredible justice-focused, spiritually vibrant community Jewish community in Boston and so it was really Mm -hmm. craving uh, to have an experience like that and also to um, be a part of a community where I could raise kids inside of that would have be grounded in those values and uh, share those kinds of really special generative uh, nourishing and liberatory Jewish experiences so Uh, I I hopped on board and then pretty soon after ended up kind of leading the charge to organize um, folks to come together and and build
2: this. You said the word vibrant so um, what does vibrant mean for you? Mm, uh, Part of the vibrancy comes from co-creation
0: and Mm -hmm. so when we've taken an organizing approach that we're starting with what are our stories and, you know, sitting down one-to-one with folks over coffee and saying, you know, what's your Jewish story and what are you longing for and what could we build together? And then figuring out where that um, intersection of shared interests and vision is and, and building that. And so I think, that that's part of why you know we went through this whole process. New Synagogue Project was meant originally to be a placeholder name. Our you know our branding is that name in brackets uh, because we said we'll we'll call ourselves this and then we'll have a community process to to choose our name. And we landed on actually affirming New Synagogue Project as our name moving forward. I think partially because it really reflects the idea that we're, we want to constantly be renewing what we're doing and we're, uh, it is a project and it will continue to be a project that we are, uh, co-creating together. And, uh, so we don't have to do things the way that they've always been done or, you know, just because they've been done this way in other places or the way we grew up that we can, uh, we can experiment and we can generate the kind of Uh, spiritual experiences and uh, community experiences and, um, and bold uh, action for collective
2: liberation that, that we want to be engaged in. So there's so much there and I'm just going to pick a few pieces out and I do want (laughs) to, and it's so rich and exciting. And I like feel the momentum and the spark, like in this, just this story of formation of new synagogue Mm -hmm. project. It's like, I um you know I've been like again in this post Passover pre Shavuot time or again this will this this podcast will be just after Shavuot sort of like sort of like will be the sweet taste in our mouth but um you know it really you you get this like sense of of like what was it like you know communing back into mm-hmm. time and i'm getting like as you're saying these words of you know generative and re- and something that's fluid enough that's that it can renew itself and um co-creation and um stories it's it um it i i feel like if i sat and thought about it you know and and sat with those words long enough i it would like transport me back to this like post exodus time <laughs> you know um yeah um yeah I love what you said about how you sat down with people and asked, like what's your story what do you want to build and I think I, I mean I'm um I'm personally like I grew up really um I grew up as like a mutt and with a variety of different You know, I never was affiliated with a synagogue and had all these different influences. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so I find myself with kids as well. And like, you know, yearning for certain things and not knowing where to land (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and um, and, you know, find different things attractive and then combined with the practicalities of living in the D.C. area and, you know, all that. Totally. So, okay. Where's my question now? (laughs) Um, um, is there, when you, when you sat down with groups of, with a group, one on one or with groups of people and, and you asked them, you know, what's your story? What do you want to build? What, have there been any common themes that have come from those that have been like guide that have shaped what new synagogue Mm. is becoming? Absolutely. Um,
0: and I'm now I'm trying to transport myself back to some of those early conversations. Uh well, I, I think certainly, I mean, we started from the premise that we wanted this to be a community that's liberation focused. So for us that means that um our justice values, our vision for collective liberation, um and the you know, ending of oppression for all people. Mm-hmm. Was really at the center. And so we, we came to folks with that vision. So, um, you know, we weren't, ex- we weren't starting, uh, totally from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we found a lot of folks who were really interested in that and craving that. And, um, and also folks who, like myself, really loved singing and really wanted to be mm-hmm. a, in a place where we could have really joyful and, um, meaningful, uh, collective song and, uh, we heard from folks who also like myself, envisioned a place where we could teach our uh teach Jewish values and Jewish practice in a way that aligned with our um vision of what all that means uh to our kids or future- future kids i am I'm, I'm not a parent yet, but I hope to be and there you know there were lots of us uh, on either side of that uh experience who uh wanted to uh, see a different kind of Jewish education maybe than we'd grown up with or pieces of something that we had experienced, uh, that we wanted to carry on. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, uh, and we heard, I think, um, from a lot of people that they want a place that felt like home, um, to find their people, to connect with others and to, um, not feel alone in, uh, you know, in a city that, for many of us who are newcomers uh maybe feels hard to navigate but also inside of capitalism where we are uh there are lots of ways in which we're meant to be dehumanized and we're many of us are longing for a way to really reclaim our humanity and one way that we can do that is through spiritual community and spiritual practice and um and have a, a community also where we can be building authentic relationship with other communities across lines of difference in this city where there's, you know, incredible, um, tension and, and harm being inflicted on black and brown communities and, uh, and, you know, trying to explore what is our role in all of that. So all of, all of that is to say that people wanted community and a place to belong. Yeah. That's- the other thing that it would be really important to say is that uh, many of us are in, actively involved in social change movements as organizers, activists, fundraisers, um, you know, in lots of different roles and uh, really craved a place where we could kind of get our cup refilled and where we could be supported in doing this uh, work that we do in the world. And others who maybe don't have an opportunity to do that professionally or haven't yet gotten involved in uh, uh movement spaces or, or local organizing, but wanted a, a kind of a way in uh that would feel
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe uh more comfortable and where they'd have some more support to to navigate that. Uh so I think we have folks uh across all of all of those experiences, but certainly an interest in supporting people who are engaged in activism and organizing. Uh was a really big motivator.
2: Tell me a little bit about the joyful singing. Mm, Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes I
0: forget to mention, but uh, one of my inspirations and motivations uh, for this project was uh, a few years ago, some friends of mine started something called Let My People Sing, which is a Jewish singing retreat that happens once or twice a year, usually at Isabella Friedman Retreat Center in Connecticut. Uh And um, so I started going around the time they they kicked this off about three years ago. And every time I come back from one of those retreats, I'm so full of joy and inspiration. And I've just been singing my heart out all weekend Mm -hmm. and learning new music and old music and music from many different Jewish traditions from all over the world in different um, periods of history. And I kept feeling like I really wanted to have that experience all the time uh, or more regularly throughout the year. And so that was absolutely uh, a piece of what I had in mind in building uh, Mm -hmm. this community and and other folks, too, who were involved in New San Project early on who were also attendees of Let My People Sing. Um, And so... We have a singing team. Uh, We have a a set of folks who meet regularly to learn and introduce to one another new tunes and new melodies for our Shabbat services on Friday night. And that group also organizes a monthly tish, um, which I believe means table in Yiddish. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's basically kind of a community thing and uh, we really get together usually around Havdalah once a month, mm. which is the ritual that um, transitions us from Shabbat into the new week. And we just sing for a few hours, and anyone can introduce a song. Teach, uh, we, you know, give folks some guidance about how best to teach a song and encourage everyone to. Uh, share the background of where the song comes from. All of those norms we drew heavily from Let My People Sing. And we do a kind of mini version of that actually usually at the end of the night, uh, during our potluck dinners on after Friday night services. So we do a little singing circle in the last half hour or 45 minutes of the evening. And Uh, I've been really thrilled that we've been building the kind of singing community that uh, Let My People Sing has taught us to build and helped us experience uh, when we're at those retreats. Um, And we have some folks who really only come for the the tishes each month because what they really want out of Jewish community is a a space to sing and be a part of music. And, you know, it's joyful and it also can be somber and can help us get in touch with all kinds of emotions that are sometimes hard to get in touch with only through our brains, (laughs) through conversation or through writing or, you know, the other modalities that tend to be, uh, preference in,
2: in our, certainly in our day jobs and in other parts of our lives. Yeah. I, you know, there's something, there's something so, um, expansive and progressive around this, feeling of yeah using song using even movement and body ritual perhaps to like tap into that the what the essence of you know just to to um tap mm-hmm. tap into something more deep rabbi sarah tasman introduced the um the post meal like shortened version of beer cut. it's like oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. the, um, the mama. yes and for the whole um my my family has been, well, we've, I think we've fallen off the past couple of weeks, but we've really, I have a four and seven year old and like they, everybody is just so into it. Like it's such a sweet oh, way, so that, good. <laughs> such a sweet way to finish the meal. Um, yeah,
0: you know, actually we just started doing that at the last, um, Shabbat dinner. Um, but we, I think we probably used a, an a new version well I know that we used a new version I'm not um so it might be a little different than the one that that you learned and it's so fun uh written by Batya Levine who actually is um she's this amazing uh Jewish songwriter and uh has just been super prolific writing lots of amazing Jewish tunes in the last few years she's one of the co-organizers of Let My People Sing and we find that um, often during a tish or a, you know, singing circle at Shabbat, maybe half the songs will be Bathya's songs. Uh, so really recommend looking up her SoundCloud. And, awesome. you know, there are other amazing Jewish songwriters um, producing all kinds of amazing music right now that uh, um, a friend who's one of the other organizers, uh, Rabbi Monica Gomery, Mm-hmm. has said, isn't it just an incredible time to be alive? Uh in the you know, the trajectory of Jewish music. Um,
2: it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very sweet. Another thing about New Synagogue Project is the space um and the location. Um sure. you, you meet in typically in Petworth in north in um northwest Washington, right? Yeah.
0: Uh mm-hmm.
2: in various church or community locations?
0: Yep, yep.
2: And um, is, is um, what's that process like of just settling on spaces? Is just more just where can we find some space or? Well, we thought about a couple of
0: things when we were first starting. Um, certainly as a new entity, there isn't really, you don't have a whole lot of options. <laughs> um we didn't we weren 't sitting on a, a a pile of resources to, to buy a space but in in addition to the resource constraints, we also really felt like um, as a community of largely folks who are newcomers to d c who are implicated in the process of displacement um that 's pushed black and brown folks out of the city, uh, particularly um, black families that that we didn't need to buy another piece of property uh, for us to own and administer. Um, now, that doesn't mean that someday we might not have a building, uh, because certainly there are downsides to not having a dedicated space. Uh, but certainly as a first project, what was more important to us is putting on the kind of programming and building the kind of community that we wanted to build and. Uh, raising the funds to be able to hire our rabbi as our spiritual leader, um, who could be the glue to to tie a lot of what we're doing together, and uh, so our our first focus was finding space that we could rent that would feel um, it would feel good as a place to pray together, and we also felt like given the the kind of politics around displacement that if we were going to pay rent. To an institution that we'd really love that to be um, to a Black church, a historic Black institution in the neighborhood, um, so that we're contributing to the, the um, continued vibrancy of that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we reached out to um, a couple of different churches, and we were really blessed that uh, a few responded positively, and so we did our first series of events at a combination of Israel Metropolitan CME Church and Baptist Church of Petworth, which happened to be just a block away from one another, which is very convenient. Um, they are now actually both under renovation. So we, we're still using Israel Metropolitan for some events, um, uh, but have also been using some other spaces. So uh, right now our regular Friday night services are generally at St. Stephen's Church, which is actually in Columbia Heights, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, also, as you said, in Northwest. And sometimes when the, the church in Petworth isn't available for Saturday mornings and we use a combination of spaces, there's a little, um, Latino, uh, community theater called El Teatro de la Luna, uh, where we do our text studies on Saturday mornings sometimes. And there's a little teen room at the Mary Center, um, Community Health Center. Where we do our, our Pat service. So we've had to be a little bit creative. Some of it, I will say, has involved me literally wandering around the neighborhood by foot and knocking on doors mm-hmm. <laughs> to see who would have us. Uh, and, you know, there, if there are like complicated logistics of having to schlep our stuff from place to place, but we're really grateful to have been hosted by the community institutions that have opened their doors to us.
2: That's wonderful i i i I love the whole dynamic and feeling of that in that i i actually we my family we recently went to the tat Shabbat at mary Center and um i um I I'd, I'd formally you know until recently had worked in a large community organization that networked with other community organizations like Mary Center and so mm-hmm. for me having bringing my kids there, I was like this is like killing two birds with one stone we get to be in um, a community center where I could show my kids where resources are um, for families that for underserved uh. families, women and families, and go to synagogue. So I have to say, like, I was really yeah. loving that element. Oh,
0: I'm so then,
2: um, so um, you know, and the so your so new synagogue is it's structured around the, these. There's this. There's these. Um, you know, while there's this fluidity and growth and then there's also these um, more formed and clear foundational pieces. Um, uh, And I'm just curious what your thoughts are as, you know, it's as things are forming. um, What what is what is communal leadership mean? Or what does leadership Mm -hmm. mean in the context of the formation of new synagogue project and it can mean many things, you know, like if it's having the, um, a spiritual leader or, you know, and and then all the other types of leadership. Yeah. Well, I think that depends a lot on the
0: kind of area of the project. Um, leadership will look a little different. Uh, there are some, you know, our treasurer. you know, we have kind of a mini finance team, which is, me and our treasurer and, uh, you know, uh, the person who's now stepped into a new role we've created around operations. Um, mm-hmm. there, uh, and it's really just about managing an organization, much like you would in any other nonprofit, uh, leader, uh, and then there are teams that are really, um, actively engaging new folks in the work, uh, and actively soliciting input on, well, what should our programming look like? So we have an arts, culture, and learning team, um, and we've got – and over in the justice space, we're really trying to build long standing partnerships with other communities and um, social justice organizations. So leadership looks like how can we sustain a partnership, build a relationship, help build bridges between our community and other communities. Um, I would say across the board, we have a real value around leadership development, and by that I mean we're constantly looking out for who can we bring into leadership and what's a pathway for them to, you know, show up to something and then be asked to be involved in in the planning of something, and then, you know, if it's the right path for them, and, and it's not, this is not a a thing that everyone is interested in or wants to do or has the, the capacity for in their lives, but that we see everyone as a possible leader in in some role yeah. in the community. And so that's, that's something that is a core value. And as I said, that comes from the kind of DNA of both Rabbi Joseph and myself. And as a result, the project um,
2: that's based in community organizing. Mm-hmm. Are there stories or specific traditions that are nourishing for you? Hmm. Well, one thing that I reference
0: a lot is, uh, is thinking about the, even just the idea of Shabbat. And since being uh, heavily involved in building this project uh, over time, I started thinking a bit more about my own Jewish practice and, I think partially it came from realizing, well, if I have my day job and I have this this other project that's kind of a whole nother volunteer job, uh gotta figure out how I'm gonna rest in order to sustain myself and then realized well we have this beautiful innovation in uh in Jewish tradition uh around Shabbat where we're actually really we're commanded to rest for a day each week. And so in the fall I started um for the first time really taking that more seriously and I don't check email during Shabbat I don't check social media during Shabbat I use this nifty little um, downtime tool on my iPhone to automatically turn off most of my apps during Shabbat and so it you know it clicks in every week cool and um, and part of what's really beautiful to me about it aside from just the kind of human necessity for rest at our very first um new synic project event last may uh Rabbi Joseph did some teaching about Shabbat as a time where we're meant to imagine the world to come and in, you know envision what that should or could look like and uh, and I interpret that to mean like what is the world that it should be that we're building towards mm. and um and I just I'm so inspired by the idea that we have this. This ritual that we're um, that we're supposed to do every week—that is a space for us not just to relax, but to imagine.
2: Mm. And
0: again, back to feeling like all the ways in which living inside of a, a capitalist system dehumanizes us. This is, you know, the opposite of that. Like, what is beyond what we experience in our day-to-day lives, and particularly for those of us who are involved in activism and organizing and and in this particular political moment where we often find ourselves in a reactive, um, resistance mode, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, it's really critical for us to remember or figure out or start, start brainstorming. What are we building towards? And what's the the vision that we're really trying to create that's in place of the harm and oppression? and injustice that we witness and experience right now.
2: Yeah. It's like, Oh wow. It's like Shabbat, the way you're describing it, the way Rabbi Joseph like invited in through that teaching, the thinking of the world to come. It feels like, yeah, it's just that Shabbat is this, like it's, it's, it's mindful, it's mindfulness embodied in time in a way or out of time. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's that, that bridge. And, oh, I, and I, Thank you for sharing that. I um I I it's very um uh, the 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 rethinking and reinvention of Shabbat as like a tool <laughs> as, for as is an enabler of ra- as like you know a, a space to rest and breathe and as you said imagine yeah. um is a beautiful thought. And you also spoke to some of the wisdom that Rabbi Joseph distilled. And, um, I did want to touch on that, that it, it he, um, his leadership and, and that that's really just one little taste of like the, the wisdom he brings and the, mm, the, uh-huh. the way his teachings are framed. It really gives you that space to spark inside.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, uh, I, I guess I just wanted to put like, just to say it, to say that in words, that that's a very special, leader and type of leadership
0: yeah yeah and I think what he Rabbi Joseph really models is you know there's beautiful and inspiring teaching that he does and and the um, leadership that he displays from up front but he really um, really does not want to center himself and is really not interested in building community that is built around a charismatic leader and um so actually i think some of his um uh, most incredible moments of leadership are one to one when he's doing pastoral care with a person who's going through a transition or uh coaching someone through um conversion or you know i know that i know that those are some of the moments that spark a lot of joy for him uh and and where we're all where we're we are building together and we're figuring out together how we build a meaningful, authentic community together. Um, And the partnership that I've had with him has been just incredible. I really, there aren't any words to describe my my gratitude for being able to, to build with him.
1: Mm.
2: And it's, and, and it's, it's evident already in just in the structure that is being created that this, um, yeah, this type of, this type of leadership, it's, it, it, there it's, as, as you said, I mean, you, you said it, that there's, there's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a central charismatic leader. It's just this, you you spoke to like a community that can, um, that has clear, that has clear set values and can renew itself. And and that type of leadership seems to lend Mm -hmm. itself to that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, he's always thinking about how we continue to sustain ourselves as a community and, and empower folks to, you know, for all of us to tap into our own agency about what we can, what we can build and what we, how we can lead and what kind of new skills we can develop. And he wants to be our partner in helping us do that.
2: Um, So let's see. So a few closing thoughts. Um, Um, So at this moment of time, what, um, I mean, I think you've really pulled out a lot of this, but um, what, what are you, um, um, how is New Synagogue Project nourishing you at this moment in time? Mm. Well, certainly in the,
0: in the ways I described in helping me develop my own Jewish spiritual practice and giving me the opportunity to sing in community, which is something I really love. And honestly, the process of building the community, community of my dreams is, um, is pretty, uh, uh, pretty wild and amazing. And I often say that it's really the greatest gift and the most incredible opportunity that I've had that this project came into my life and I got to Throw all of myself into it, and and bring all the parts of myself into it, and I think that's been part of what's made it so nourishing and sustaining for me is that I've had a lot of different kinds of experiences as an organizer, as a fundraiser, as a person involved in building Jewish community in other places, um, and just you know being in, involved in nonprofit management, all the different things mm-hmm. that that are involved in starting. A new project, um, and then I've also gotten to experiment with and grow some new skills. Uh, you know, really seeing the pieces of my role that are um, that are spiritual leadership and how we bring a group of people together around a shared vision and um, and and enable you know help support folks in unleashing what it is that they want to bring to the world.
2: And now for some sweet notes. Sweet note one, in community, how we build is just as important as what we build. And part of the life force of community is its innate ability for self-renewal. As community organizing principles inspired the vision of New Synagogue Project, New Synagogue Project is writing into its organizational DNA and building into its structure the ability for continuous renewal. It also struck me how Ariella, through Saviva, comes from a community where, as she described, your structure is your structure. She was inspired to build out as a way to maximize, as she had said, the Jewish community that already exists. And it is her intention to take what comes from Saviva and infuse that back into the structure. This theme of innovation and renewal within a structure and resiliency of the structure itself is an interesting common theme across these two different communities. Sweet note two, song, sigh. (laughs) I felt so lighthearted in hearing how part of what Lauren yearned for was to build a community where song brought that vibrant, soulful expression using the new inspiring tunes combined with some older ones and having dedicated song time, it just brings something. It adds a bright beat and a personal confession. I too always yearned for a community where song was central and I just never gave myself that inner validation that this was a legit way to like a legit piece of community to really look for as a central part of that community. So I thank you Lauren and I thank you Rabbi Joseph and New Synagogue Project for modeling that song is so significant and is a key ingredient to what makes community joyous and vibrant. Sweet note three, it is the personal stories that help to build community. In its early stages of New Synagogue Project's formation, a question that was asked in the one-on-one conversations is what is your Jewish story? Individual stories are then being built upon the strong vision of New Synagogue Project of creating a vibrant, soulful, and social justice-focused community. In Seviva, it is the sharing of stories between women Whether through learning at a Torah event or in events that focus on themes such as holidays, loss, or other life moments, these events are forums for sharing stories and creating deep connection and amplifying Jewish women's stories. Sweet Note 4 Leadership As Ariella is leading the charge, informing and described the inspiration and modeling of women's leadership she received from her rabbits in growing up she is also bringing in and collecting teachers healers leaders guides to enrich saviva gatherings and as leadership in new synagogue project ranges from the organizational to the logistical to the spiritual it was striking how lauren described new synagogue projects spiritual leader as being in partnership with its members to co-create this vibrant community. This configuration of decentralized leadership strikes me as such a strong invitation to members if they feel called to bring their strengths and share their gifts and be part of the building process. I'd like to thank Ariella and Lauren for their generous conversations and for their good work. This was such food for thought. I'd like to thank Ethan Bayliss, sound engineer and co-producer. And for upcoming events, I am so excited to be partnering with Rabbi Sarah Tasman for her summer solstice half-day retreat on June 21st. There will be restorative yoga and art and intention-setting and just this ability to have space for yourself to mark time, and the food and food ritual plate making will be by moi. Very excited about this. And if you wanna learn more about the event, you can find information on redlentilconsulting.com. Until then, I am Jodi Bayless, and this is Purple Honey. It was
1: just awesome to be in conversation with all of these people who are so passionate about organized religion and a little bit about reorganizing it. Mhm.
2: The innovation the beyond the edges maybe.
1: Yeah, but in a very deep way, like not just, mm. you know, how do we get more people into the building, mm. but instead thinking about what's the purpose of re- organized religion in the first place? Like why do we need that why do you need to adhere to what the best best part was like you could have stripped off everybody's name tag or like what church or mosque or synagogue they belong to and swapped them out because in the end it was like everybody had the same values everybody had the same you know higher purpose in life everybody had the same principles that were guiding them and it was phenomenal to be able to be in a room with people who were saying like what on earth do we have these systems for they're not doing Mm. what they're supposed to do they're not helping us be better people they're not helping us you know walk through the world making it a better place that's in fact many times it's the opposite it's causing us to be more hateful and hurtful what have you Um, and people aren't coming anymore. So the system's broke. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we do different? What do people like? Why was religion organized religion created in the first place? What was Mm -hmm. it supposed to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And how can you repurpose that for today so that we don't lose what it was supposed to do to us?